High Noon with George Hook. Thanks to ClaytonHotels.com with 17 hotels across Ireland and the UK. It's now time for the Hook Health Checkup. Every week at this time, we focus on how to treat and take care of your own personal health problems. And I'm delighted to collaborate with Dr. Kira Kelly. I often listen to her on News Talk and see her on the telly, but she's in studio with me and she's up and ready uh, to answer all these questions. You can text in uh, more questions at 53106, costing 30 cents. Kira, I'm delighted to collaborate with you for the first time. I know we've been on a panel with George we and have. so on, but it's great to ask you the questions. And we're going to collaborate together to co host a big ball in the RDS in November for your uh, organisation, the National Association of GPs. Tell me about it. Yeah, briefly. the NAGP is is running a charity ball in the RDS and, and uh, I think possibly I'm more you're like your talented assistant, Ivan, but we, you and I are co-hosting it and it is to raise money for the ISPCC and AWARE, which is a great charity. Both of them are great charities. And uh, I think it'll be lots of fun and for I'd everyone, in, including I'd, ourselves. I'll be in a dicky bow. And that's <laughs> all good. Okay, first question comes from Worried. Dear doctor, I noticed a discolouring of my semen. It looked like traces of rusty brown or blood traces. I won't ask you how you came to be studying your semen. What's the What's happening there? It probably is blood. I mean, if it looks like blood and it's brown and it's rusty, that generally speaking is blood. And there can be benign reasons why you might have, have blood in your sperm as well. And, and you know, people do have uh, blood that is innocent that they have in their urine or their semen or, or, or in their kind of bodily fluids. But it's a red flag to us as a doctor. So I always say to any young man or um, older man as well, if there is blood in the semen, you need to get checked. We need to find out why it's there. So this person, who is obviously worried and knows that there's a bit of something to be worried about, needs to go and see a doctor. They need to go and they need to have semen analysis. They may need to have a scan. They may need to have a blood test. There's all sorts of things that they may need to have done. And in terms of worried, what might it be? Well, I, I hate to speculate, and, and George always says I catastrophize everything and say everyone's going to die and all this kind of stuff on the programme and we have to call ambulances. Well, one day it'll be like, like stop talking, you'll be right at some stage, we're all going to die. Yeah, well, yeah. We, we are, but, but, but you know what, it may be, it may even be traumatic, it, you know, as in that they may have pulled something, you know, some people during vigorous sex can have an injury and that can cause blood in the, in the semen, in the same way it can cause blood from the vagina or whatever. So, so you can bleed for loads of innocent reasons as well. But obviously there could be more worrying things there and this person just needs to not just talk to us even though we give wonderful advice here on the Hook Health Check. They need to go and see a doctor and they need to have some investigations done to make sure that we're not missing anything. Okay. Uh, Pamela in Kildare. Um, sad story. Question for Dr. Kira. I'm a 37-year-old woman with a diagnosis of MS. It's been very aggressive and in the short time since getting the diagnosis, none of the standard treatments for MS have worked. I'm wondering if Kira has heard of stem cell therapy for MS, can't get it in Ireland unless you've got cancer. I'm considering travelling abroad, but I'm worried that HSCT, which I assume is the stem cell yeah. therapy, is very risky and not a guarantee of relief. This is a really interesting question, Ivan, because lots of people who have significant illnesses like even look at the Charlie Gard thing that was going on there recently, but somebody with significant illnesses that we don't have good treatments for or we don't have treatments that are working for, we'll start to look at other treatments in terms of just being desperate. They're desperate for some kind of help and that's what poor Pamela is going through. Most neurologists are very well genned up on all forms of therapy for MS even if they're not available in this country. And I think she should sit down and have a frank discussion with her neurologist and say, look, and I'm not getting 
uh, any relief from my symptoms and I'm getting progressively worse. A lot of, you'd be surprised, a lot of neurologists might say, look, this is not unreasonable. Why don't you go and look elsewhere or that kind of thing? So, so, but if they also turn around to her and say, look, that's not going to work for you for the type of MS you have, because there are MS and then there are MS. MS can be relatively indolent where it runs a kind of a calmish course and then it can be very aggressive and, you know, and then it's kind of sort of relapsing, remitting ones that kind of come and go and kind of waves. I would suggest that what she really needs is to talk to her neurologist, maybe go in with all the information that she has looked at herself on the internet and stuff because she's, you know, to satisfy herself, I suppose. Um, but sometimes, sometimes there isn't always wonderful treatments available for very significant illnesses and that's a very difficult thing to accept. I've I've done a good bit of work with the MS Society yeah. here, fundraisers in Leopardstown and so on. And I noticed with some people, they could have a remission that they're completely the same yeah. a year later and other people you can see the yeah. visible What is the biological process of MS? What's happening to your body? Do you know what I, I often say to people? It's like, it's like you know, the, the flexes that run from your telly to your plug or whatever. And they have lots of little wires and then they're surrounded. The outside of the wire is kind of coated in plastic, black plastic or black rubber or whatever it is. That's the same as your nerves. For, for, for impulses to be passed down a nerve there has to be sort of a, a layer of insulation around the nerve or else the impulses aren't passed properly. The insulation is, is going, a demyelination. So, so the coating of the nerves is breaking down and therefore the nerves don't work properly anymore. They can't transmit impulses. So the impulses to your muscles don't work properly anymore. Your impulses throughout your brain and your spinal cord and all that kind of stuff aren't working the way that they should. And for some people... It is, it is, as you say, they, they can go into remission for long periods of time. And there are some better treatments. And I do suspect that better treatments, again, will come on because there's a huge amount of work been done in this area. But for some people, and it does, it is sort of age-linked and gender-linked. And there, there are people who but are... there are obviously, from your answer to the stem cell question, different strains of this. Yes, there are. There are indeed. And so, so some people will get benefit and some people won't. And you know what? It's probably worth having that conversation about cannabis and cannabis treatments too because cannabis is not the panacea that you might hear people campaigning for it to be, to be freed up. It's not the panacea people think. But there are areas in neurology in particular where it works. Okay. Pam, go back and get more information on the strain you have from your doctor. Now, Damo asks, please ask the doctor, is there anything I can do to relieve my tinnitus at night time? It kept me awake all night last night. Not normally that bad. Poor old Damo. Um, the answer in a word is probably no. Um, <clears throat> tinnitus, if you are unlucky enough to have it, is that kind of that high pitched or sometimes it's a duller pitch I suppose noise in your ears where no noise exists so you can you start to think is the fridge humming or what's that noise I'm hearing and there's no noise at all um, there's no real treatment for it unless you're I suppose lucky enough to have tinnitus that is caused by maybe having a little bit of wax in your ears or something that's affecting how the, the outer sounds are hitting off the, the eardrum and so if there is something like that yes you could have your ears syringed but for most what people what causes it? It's usually to do with changes in the nerve, rectal nerves, but the nerve within the ear. So the nerve in the ear isn't working properly for a variety of reasons. It's just not functioning properly and it, it's, it's malfunctioning, if you like. And so you're hearing sounds that don't exist. Um, get white noise boxes. So they actually listen to a different humming sound in the room that's different to the one in their ear. Some people listen to the radio on actually on repeats of, of you or I all night, that Is kind of thing. Is it No, not really. No, that, that's the bad thing. That's, Does it go away? No. Yeah. I'm saying it kind of bluntly because sometimes it's better to know what you can expect. There, there is ways of, of mitigating it slightly with external noise producers like low-grade radios or, or white noise boxes or that kind of thing. Um, occasionally, it's a sign of something 
that, you know, needs to be looked into more. So some people do get brain scans and stuff. And we don't know what the story is with Damo. Damo is a young person's name, so I kind of think he might be young. There is a small possibility that it's caused by wax. Um, he could go and have an ear examination and see if his ears could be syringed. But in the main, it's about managing it because no, there is no good treatment for tinnitus. Bad news there. Yeah, for, sorry for about demo. that demo. You're listening to the Hook Health Checkup. Uh, Dr. Kira Kelly in studio providing all the answers. Do text in if you have a specific query, 53106, that'll cost 30 cents. Now, the next question comes from a lady. I'm a woman in my late 50s and have a weak left side which is in part attributed to multi-level degenerative disc disease in my neck. Now, a few jawbreakers here. A carotid <laughs> Doppler carotid test. Doppler, yeah. All right. Say that again. A carotid Doppler test was carried out with a normal result. I'm now due to have a, a carotid sinus massage and wonder what the difference between the two is. Okay, she's having weakness and stuff and they're trying to work out what's going on with her and she does have disc disease and Ivan, you've been a bit of a slave to your back as well and all that kind of stuff. So that can cause all kinds of problems pain-wise and weakness-wise and all that stuff. But they're trying to work it out. What a carotid Doppler is, is an ultrasound. And you'd be familiar with ultrasound probably from pregnancies and stuff. You know, somebody puts a bit of jelly on you and then they put a probe next to your skin and they can look. So... That's what a carotid Doppler is. They, they scan with a, a probe and a bit of jelly the, the big blood vessels on the side of the neck. That's what that is. A carotid sinus massage is a different thing. Your carotid arteries are these big, big arteries that run from your heart up to your brain, either side of your neck. And what they do is, is there's a thing called a sinus in them and, and they massage that. It's just a sort of, a, I suppose, a localised area within the artery and they massage that to see if it's doing something funny because if they stimulate it by massage, sometimes they can cause your heart to go slow or your blood pressure to drop or you to feel weak and then they know there's something wrong with that that they may have to intervene about. So this is a slightly more... It's almost diagnostic. Yeah, it is. This yeah. is a, 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 As opposed to a treatment. Yeah, oh yeah, this, exactly. This is a more in-depth test, it's done in hospital, it's done lying down because you might actually go weak or whatever having had the test. Um, but they're obviously investigating this lady to see. I do have to, I have to say that I, in the same way I love it with George, I love hearing you say, I am a woman in my late 50s. I just love hearing you, <laughs> I love hearing you say that. Um, do you know what I mean? Nobody wants somebody to be having that. So this is a, a slightly more in-depth investigation than the one she's had before. So she should have the oh, yeah, sinus massage. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And it might help her learn more about exactly. it. Right. Okay, Rita asks, and I'm not Rita. <laughs> Dr. Kira, I have osteoarthritis in my knees. Oh dear, I know people are having them in their hands and everything. I'm told I have Baker cysts going yep. down the calf. I have a lot of pain swelling in my legs. This has been my situation since I unwisely knelt down on my knees to fix my airbox. And getting up was extremely difficult. This was five weeks ago. Up to that, I was pain-free, having had three weeks' stay in Harold's Cross. Um, she's obviously in a lot of pain yeah. uh, in her knees. Uh, when I did my back in, I thought it was because I pulled my sock on in a particular way. But when I read other people's backstories, it was something waiting to happen yeah. in terms of a vulnerability. So it might not be the air box actually caused this. It could have been bending down <laughs> oh, for anything. Oh, I think so. I think so, Absolutely. 
this is interesting. I, I, I'm wondering, did she rupture one of her baker cysts? Um, baker cysts, Ivan, are, are, are cysts, fluid-filled sort of um, little swellings behind your knee that people get when they have osteoarthritis because the knee is trying to cope with the osteoarthritis and it's forming these cysts. Um, and they do rupture sometimes and they actually look a little bit like a blood clot when they rupture because your leg does swell and get hot and red and very painful. And you could burst one, you could rupture a cyst. You know, if you're, if you're kneeling right down and, and your knee is fully, fully flexed, you could do that because she's obviously had three weeks stay in Harold's Cross. Harold's Cross, people know it as the hospice, but it's also a big rheumatology centre that they bring people in and have kind of residential stay and they work on them with physio and all that kind of stuff. So she was obviously doing really good and now has set herself right back. Um, I think she's going to have to go and and sort herself out by seeing a doctor. I think she probably needs anti-inflammatories. She may in fact need another scan on her knee if there's something acute going on. she probably needs painkillers and she may need physio. Yeah. She she needs more intervention. I was going to ask you that. In terms of the generality of osteoarthritis, like I, I live on painkillers yeah. and anti-inflammatories and try not to take too many of them. Is that the life of chronic, chronic pain? Um, kind of is. I mean, osteoarthritis... Managing it? It is. A, oh, yeah, it's totally about management. It's, it, you know, it's a fancy jargon word, really, for wear and tear in the joints. And some people are more prone to wear and tear than others, so they're a bit unlucky. Some people the joints are accelerated the wear and tear maybe because they're a bit overweight or what have you so and we don't know what the, the situation is with Rita obviously but it is wear and tear and it is as you know yourself very painful and it's something to be managed and what is I suppose very disappointing for her is she'd gotten really good from all the mm. intervention in Harold's Cross and then was set back by a simple foolish thing so really maybe go back to Harold's Cross I, well she'd be lucky to get back into Harold's Cross yeah. but she definitely needs to go at, at first off to see her GP because she's going to need at least medically things to be changed a little bit Okay, Richard Mason asks, I've had two operations for my sinus in the last year. Still not better. I don't know if it's can smell my nose or can smell my nose. It's like a bad fish smell, I think, in his nose. The hospitals say they can't do anything more. Is there anything I can do? Yeah, there is, I think. Um, First of all, sinus surgeries, like, like several other surgeries are a little bit hit and miss in terms of being effective and beneficial to people. People often have a sinus surgery and then aren't that much better afterwards, but they still go and have the surgeries anyway because they're trying to fix something. Is it something. usually a blocked nose and a sinus headache? Is that the yeah, symptoms yeah, of a do, sinus? Yeah, you do. And, and people sometimes have deviated septums and stuff like that, so they can't breathe properly and they're getting post-nasal drips and all this. This guy, and it's very interesting, and George would hop on this because George is, is, is always... George likes to bring everything back to himself mm. as you know Ivan yeah, yeah. and George has a long I history I should put George down I mean, <laughs> <laughs> George, instead of trying to cure George, all his George loves to ailments. talk about his, his own issues with bad breath and all these things this poor man says people can smell his nose he is at least whether it's true or not we don't know but he's at least conscious that there's a smell coming from his nose that other people are smelling oh I see and people are mortified by that people get very the, the sort of phlegm has gone bad in your nose yeah I'd say it's colonised by bacteria of some kind. Now, what I would suggest, let's do some simple things. He might want to get a sinus rinse for a start with a bit of salty water to start flushing out those bad smelling bacteria. Or he might, if he can tolerate it, take a, you know, we usually put salty water in, but a very, very, and it would have to be dilute because we'd burn the nose off him, a very dilute uh, solution of maybe with a bit a drop of tea tree oil in water might help as well. I think he's going to have to bring it back to basics. Do you know what I mean? They're not going to keep putting him on antibiotics, although antibiotics will sometimes change the flora. Do you know what I mean by the mm. flora? Change the actual colony that's in there that is producing a smelly toxin of some kind. Um, and sometimes he does just need maybe an anaerobic antibiotic that might actually change that for him. And sometimes doctors, in fairness, 
don't take this kind of thing seriously enough because they look at him and go, well, we can do nothing with you. You're fine. Get on with it. Whereas he's mortified by this smell. And maybe it is worse, worth giving him a type of an antibiotic, specific type of one, something like metronidazole, to try and change the bacteria that are in there in order to, uh, I suppose, dampen down this smell. This is something I have. Um, I'm starting to sound like George already. <laughs> I'm in my late 20s. One of my knees gives a loud click with each step when I walk up the stairs. No knee pain, nor does it happen when I walk. Should I go to a GP if it's not really bothering me? This is a, we, we live in an old house in Enniscorthy. And when I go up the stairs, I can hear click, 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 click. As I go, <laughs> and I would might walk 20 kilometres in a day by the beach and I never have a click. What is it all about? It's actually to do with stairs. Um, very often people have difficulty going upstairs, but actually very often people have a difficulty going downstairs. And it's to do with the actual movement of the knee propelling you upwards or propelling you downwards. And I would suggest, because this is only a young flower, a young one, this is in her late 20s, so there's unlikely to have arthritic change there. I mean, it's not impossible, but well, it's there's unlikely. There's no pain, obviously. No, there's involved. a bit of a click. So they may have... So a, what is actually clicking they, they, Well, it might be that they have a little issue with cartilage or something like that's going on in their knee. What can you do about that? You could get an MRI, you could get injections. Does it mean, is it a bad thing? I'd be inclined to probably do relatively little about it, other than strengthen your knee as best you can. And the easiest way to strengthen your knee is to sit on a, you know, sit on your couch and I'm going to do a demonstration which is hard to do yeah. on, on radio. But you raise your knee so that your foot is about a foot off the ground and then you straighten your leg and you bend your leg back in and you straighten your leg and you bend your leg back in. And that works your quadricep muscles which are the muscles on the front of your thigh and you'll feel it quite quickly and that helps strengthen your knee joint. And that might be a simple thing for them to do. If it's persistent and going on and on and on and on, yeah, you could go and get it investigated but I'm inclined to think that for a lot of the time, if you can avoid seeing doctors and orthopaedic surgeons and all of that kind of stuff, you're nearly as well off. Okay. Maggie has a, a very specific question. Um, hi. In relation to arthritis, does 10 millilitres of apple cider vinegar a day help in relation to arthritis? Or is my husband being taken for a fool by his golf buddies? Yes or no? Um... I don't know. And here's the thing, because people swear to me about apple cider vinegar for everything. People are constantly coming into me and saying, they would say to that man like with the... flat seven up. Absolutely. <laughs> like the man with the sinuses give him apple cider vinegar. I've got a bit of a sick tummy, apple cider vinegar. And they tell me, they come in and they swear blind to me in the surgery, Ivan, that that's absolutely brilliant and it's sorted them out entirely. Is that a placebo? I don't know. I, I have no real way of knowing there aren't But great is there any science that the acid from the vinegar does you I something? I don't know that there is, but here's the thing. The placebo effect is real. So if your husband believes, shh, let him take it. What harm is it going to do? And if it manages to alleviate some of his pain and makes him feel better about well, around but himself... But arthritis is not a psychological condition. No, but... Like, I hate that when people say about your back. Oh, no, oh, it's, it's not. Oh, it's psychological. Oh, no, 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 it's not. But you I know what? I like saying something <laughs> off to them, you know. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. It's not... I mean, it's, yeah. it's mechanical. Yeah. But here's the thing. There is the pain that people experience and then there is their relationship to the pain. And that is psychological. So people who are in extreme pain that we can't really mitigate their pain. If we can help them be more at ease about having the pain, we do alleviate some pain. You are an absolute fount of knowledge about all this medical stuff. I could actually... You'd swear I was a doctor. I know. <laughs> you sound good anyway. It's, it's, well, look, do keep them coming because the team here on High Noon uh, look after all the patients for free on the Hook Health Checkup. My thanks to Dr. Kira Kelly. She will be back with normal service, so keep the queries coming. We'll bottle them and store them and she can dispense them in due course. My thanks to you, thanks, Dr. Ivan. Kira Kelly.